Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, and welcome to episode 96 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here, as always, with Michaela. Michaela, we have come back-to-back weeks with some fall cocktails, but it is time. It is time for Halloween season to kick off officially with a spooky story, Poltergeist. Uh, Michaela, how are you doing? Are you excited for Halloween? I am so excited for Halloween. This is my favorite time of year, other than Christmas, but really, this is my favorite time of year. I love all things spooky and creepy and scary and scary movies, like truly Truly good horror films are very few and far between, so I love that we're digging into it a little bit early this year, but that's just how we roll. We couldn't wait. What about you? We could we could not wait. Yeah, uh, spooky season is upon us. Um, I do like this time of year. Um, not like not like a huge. If if you've listened to the the podcast at all, you know I'm not I'm not huge into like scary movies, but I do like them this particular time of year. I like the fall weather. I like uh, all of the pumpkin flavored things and apple cider flavored things. That's always a good time. And it's fun to go back and like you said, revisit some classics. I definitely have a handful of uh, movies that I like to watch every year. We always seem to go back to the same ones, uh, kind of in the same way you do with like Christmas movies, right? You have like the family favorites that you put on every year and you only you watch them like that one time a year. And uh, this movie that we're covering this week is definitely definitely one of those because it is an all time classic so uh Michaela before we get into Halloween uh trick-or-treat uh mode uh let's let's start with this what's your favorite Halloween candy oh that's hard that's really hard um I really love the pumpkin shaped Reese's peanut butter cups Oh, okay. okay. Um, because they get the ratio between pumpkin and chocolate correct, or not pumpkin, but peanut butter and chocolate correct. Um, mm-hmm. that is a interesting ratio to to mess with. And so I like those. I am not a fan of candy corn, though. Uh, I hear. I mean, that's a thing. Are you into that wax? I am. <laughs> I am not into that wax conundrum. No, uh, there is one answer for best Halloween candy, and it is the uh, shaped Reese's peanut butter cups, because the uh, the Halloween, the pumpkin, the egg at Easter, the shapes are the best. That's where it's at. That's what you want to get in your goodie bag. Um, but we're going to need some other goodies uh, to get through this all time classic this week. We're going to need a cocktail, and this one is a delicious one. So why don't we take a quick break? We will be right back to mix up the cocktail, the poltergeist. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So this week, we're taking on a possessed spooky poltergeist house. And it only seems suiting that we would have a cocktail of the same name, which is called the poltergeist. Now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
We found this recipe on waitrose.com, but I have to say when we looked at it and we started to construct it ourselves at home, we realized this, it doesn't have a date on the website that we saw it on, but I'm pretty sure that this is paying homage to the newer remake of the Poltergeist and newsflash, not the same uh, thing. They're not as good. It's not as good as the first one. <laughs> we're talking about the first one because that's the only one really we're talking about. And so looking at it, we thought, you know, we could probably change this up a little bit and we'll get more into why in just a minute. But here are the ingredients for everyone at home. We have 20 mils or an ounce of vodka, 10 mils of Tio Pepe Sherry. We did not use that and we'll get into a why in a little bit, but uh, another ounce of St. Germain elderflower liqueur, half an ounce of fresh lime juice, and then a generous teaspoon of lemon sorbet. If you can't find lemon sorbet, you can use like a lemon Italian ice. It's basically the same thing as long mm -hmm. as there's no cream yep. in it. Um, it's just supposed to be lemon and uh, flavored. There's no cream, no dairy. Okay. And if you don't want to uh, go through uh, getting a lemon sorbet or anything like that, you could probably just do like like a squeeze, like a half ounce of lemon juice and throw in a teaspoon or so of simple syrup, because that's really what you're uh, trying to get out of that uh, lemon sorbet. That's true. That's very true. Now, in this listing of uh, ingredients, it talks about Tio Pepe Sherry. We did not have Tio Pepe. We couldn't find it. What we used instead was something else. Right, Brian? Yeah, that's right. So uh, Tio Pepe Sherry is a very, very dry sherry. Um, it's not even really when you think of think of a sherry, you think of something more of like a fortified uh, dessert kind of thing. Uh, Tio Pepe Sherry is not that. It's very much uh, along the lines of like a white wine. Uh, but we didn't we didn't have that, like Michaela said. Uh, we couldn't find it, and we didn't really feel like going out and getting it because what we did have was a very excellent bottle of Pedro Jimenez uh, Sherry, uh, which is along the lines of a fortified wine. If you're familiar with port, um, kind of very much like a tawny port kind of thing it's it's very luscious it's very delicious it has uh these these beautiful um kind of almonds and uh, oak notes um a little bit of uh, like oxid oxidization in there it is a gorgeous uh type of sherry uh you should just get a bottle of that and drink some you can have it over uh, vanilla ice cream which was the tip i gave michaela when we were doing this and you should use that in this cocktail because uh this it tied it together really really good um i don't i don't know it it made it much much darker much more luscious much more interesting tasting i think than the tio pepe sherry would have um and i i think that was that was a happy accident and a uh, good upgrade absolutely so when we started to make this i noticed immediately that it does not have this milky white hue because of the sherry that we used now one of the things that you are going to do you're going to put all of this stuff together you're going to shake it you're going to put it in a uh just a short glass and you're going to trail some, they call for crushed blueberries, um, like a blueberry powder. Again, we looked at that and we were like, that doesn't look like the ectoplasm in the poltergeist that we're covering. But if you use that really amazing sherry that we talked about and instead substitute powdered strawberries, which we had on hand, it looks just like the ectoplasm that's actually in the original poltergeist. So not only was it a giant flavor upgrade, in my opinion, but it also looks, uh, has much more of the look and feel of the ectoplasm stuff that's in that crazy dimension where they, where Carol Ann goes to and lives for <laughs> yeah. a week. 
yeah. it's inside, real creepy and, looking <laughs> that's right yeah inside the inside the realms of the house but yeah you get this uh this huge hit of like strawberry on the nose from the crushed strawberries and then just this very uh luscious uh very well balanced actually with the you know that uh that richard sherry and then the vodka and the saint germain um and then you get quite a bit of citrus out of that uh lemon sorbet um uh, you know, like I said, you could uh, swap out some lemon juice and simple syrup to to kind of make up for that if you don't want to do the sorbet. But this was this was really good. Um, it was really easy to put together, actually. Um, and, you know, definitely something I could see having like as like a before dinner, like cocktail, like a fancy, like fancy dinner. You're having like a dinner party. Uh, throw these together. Uh, really delicious. Really delicious. So everybody should try this at home um, because it's not only spooky and creepy and kooky, but it's also really tasty and not super hard. It seems kind of swanky because it's got a few different pieces of ingredients in it, but uh, really easy to make, totally worth it, and very, very tasty. Yeah, absolutely. So give that one a try. Uh, check out the website if you want to see pictures of ours and the written recipe um, and mix one of these up because they're delicious. But for now, Michaela, we need to mix up another one of these because A, they're delicious and B, this house we're going to is super creepy and I'm going to need a cocktail to get through it. So why don't we take a quick break? We will uh, throw some more sherry into our shaker tin and we'll be right back to talk about this week's film, the classic Poltergeist. Spoiler warning for Poltergeist. If you've not yet seen this 1982 classic, you should stop everything right now. Don't go any further. You should go make yourself a Poltergeist cocktail, the one that we made, because it tastes better and it looks better. And then you should go watch Poltergeist. And then when you're done having nightmares about it, you can come back and we can talk all about it. <laughs> Yes, you will. Uh, you might have some nightmares. Um, you'll have a good cocktail if you mix one of those up, but you will have a good time because this one is a classic. I um, mean, it turned 40 years old, as all good things uh, tend to do eventually, because this one came out in 1982. It was directed by uh, Toby Hooper, uh, who you might know was the uh, director of the original Texas Chainsaw massacre uh which is a very excellent uh halloween film that you should probably watch too and this one stars joe beth williams and craig t nelson as uh the freelings right diane and steve freeling um and it of course stars heather o'rourke as the adorable and albeit a little bit creepy carol ann that's right uh so this film was produced and it was half written um by the amazing steven spielberg um mm -hmm. Uh, Steven Spielberg was also directing uh, and actively filming um, E.T. at the time uh, this film was also being worked on. And so he couldn't commit to both uh, per his contract. So they brought in Toby Hooper, um, who did an amazing job. We're going to talk all about uh, all of the really cool uh, tricks and and cinemagraphic things that were done that made us terrified to uh, leave the TV on in the middle of the night. Um, mm -hmm. and, yep. uh, yeah. So, but this film actually, uh, not only being really creepy, it did very well from a critical standpoint too. It was nominated for three Oscars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. It was nominated for the sound effects editing, the visual effects and the original score. Uh, but it did lose all three of those to Steven Spielberg's other, uh, project he had going on, uh, which was ET, but you know, it's really good to be nominated and you can see a lot of kind of similarities in the way the visual effects were done, uh, both ET and, uh, Poltergeist were done by Industrial Light and Magic, uh, which was the George Lucas uh, effects house, which did most of uh, Steven Spielberg's work. So you see a lot of kind of similarities in the way that they're handling things, making things fly around. Um, you know, a, a lot of uh, 
a lot of parallels there but between the two and uh steven spielberg definitely had his uh stamp on this one and it's a it's a really good story and it's kind of set the tone for the haunted house film um you know we uh we watched this um in the theater last night and you kind of get like this glimpse of where you know you're not necessarily going to like a like an old haunted house with ghosts and things but the house itself is you know more or less a character um in the film that is what is kind of pursuing you and being your adversary um in these uh, haunted tales yeah yeah and i really like this the way that this starts that whole idea around why is a house being haunted what there's a backstory behind it it's not just it's spooky or scary for the sake of being scary there's a mission behind it, um, which also makes it more frightening, I think. Um, and when you add a little blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl with sweet, chubby cheeks, um, it <laughs> it makes it even, even worse. So um, let's dive into it because uh, the film actually is not super long. Um, mm-hmm. It's it this is it's beautiful. This was made back in the day where you could make a ninety minute film and or a, you right. know ninety seven minute film and have it not be uh, not be panned as not uh, being good just because it's short or the idea that a movie has to be three hours in order for it to be good. So, um, but it starts off really slowly. Uh, you're looking at these really kind of fuzzy, pigmatic uh, pixels of a of an old TV mm-hmm. and. You know, we should talk about this because this was released in 1982. It was probably made in 1981. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, back people... in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it has a couple things going for it. People don't have tube TVs. They don't have network television anymore. And those uh, network stations don't sign off the air. But yeah, when this one's starting, you're seeing uh, like these very uh, pixely kind of kind of images way up close um, uh, on your uh, on your video screen. Uh, you're hearing it's playing the national anthem um, in the background because, yeah, back in the day you had you had your your channels, right? Your ABC, NBC. And that was it. And then, it, you know, I don't know, midnight, 1 a.m., uh, whatever the case was, they would sign off and it would play the national anthem. Um, and then and then nothing. The TV station would be off until 6 a.m. the next day. So it'd just be static. So it's kind of playing yeah. through these things um, and it hits in the static. Um, and it's it's really kind of fun and kind of playful uh, because the, you're at the you're at the family home of the Freelings. They have their family dog there and he's going around. He's stealing some snacks. He knows everyone's asleep. You got Craig T. Nelson, Steve. He's asleep in the chair. Uh, Diane, she's asleep up in the bed. All the kids are asleep in their beds. Uh, everyone has snacks in bed. Uh, don't have snacks in bed. That's how that's how you get uh, you get in infestations and things um maybe even that's how you get poltergeists in your house i don't know for sure but but the dog is hip to it he's going around getting them all uh but then you know something creepy something creepy happens for carolyn or maybe not for carolyn she wasn't that creeped out but uh should have been should have been everyone should have been this this should have been the first sign right um so yeah i just want to say the film the way that they filmed the dog kind of going through and that's how you are introduced to the different family members is really genius number one the sound editing of the different sounds that the dog is making while he's like eating things off the floor and he's grabbing these old chip bags and of course they're not old when the movie came out, but now looking at it, it's super nostalgic for me because Cheetos had a very different look than the other potato chip bags and so 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 on and so forth. But I love that because he, uh, Eboz is the name of the dog. He accidentally wakes Caroline up. She uh, kind of walks downstairs. She figures out a way to put on her little bunny slippers and she walks downstairs and the TV is still on because Steve is like totally passed out in front of the TV 
And of course, we you have that moment where she gets on her knees and she starts really looking close to the TV. And then it it's almost like the TV's talking to her. And the way that she's looking at the TV, trying to see the inside and see if there's, you know, something there, but answering these questions and you don't know what they're asking her. You can't really hear anything. And then, of course, she puts both hands on the TV and that's the, you know, signature look. And it's very creepy. <laughs> she's like trying to get closer and closer to the TV. Yeah, she's going to burn her eyeballs out. She is talking to um, some demons that are coming in through the, uh, I don't know, I guess like the electrical uh, charge of this TV. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, it all seems bad. It all seems bad. And then we're going kind of to the next day. It seems like some more spooky stuff is going afoot. Uh, you know, Steve's having having some lads over to watch watch the football game. Uh, they're there. They're, uh, I don't know, this guy comes in carrying like a thousand beers. They're like exploding all over and the TV starts changing stations. And you're like, oh, that seems bad. That doesn't. That doesn't look good after what we saw the TV doing doing last night. But it turns out, you know, neighbor just has the same TV with the same remote. Uh, so you kind of go back and forth. You're getting kind of this image that the the neighbors here are uh, a little bit bickery, but but no big deal. Uh, so, you know, nothing, nothing afoot there with the TV. But then some other creepy stuff starts happening. You know, the kids are there. Uh, they're having breakfast. Uh, you pick up your glass of orange juice or milk or whatever it was. The bottom of it just shatters out. Your spoon and fork are bending in midair right in front of your eyes that doesn't seem good these yeah. are bad bad things <laughs> these are bad things and the only one that seems to be really uh creeped out by this is eight-year-old robbie right because there's three children there's 16 year old dana eight-year-old robbie five-year-old caroline caroline's just kind of hanging out um and 16 year old dana man she's oblivious to everything she's just trying to date people although she does get you know cat called by the group of people that are putting in her yeah. pool and that doesn't gross. seem to be a problem that's real gross 1982 also, so glad that part of you is gone yeah um, also, also her mom just standing there watching her get catcalled by these guys doesn't say anything she just laughs it off thinks it's great um so i mean dana, dana dana does give him a good stiff uh middle finger so i guess good on she you does. for that dana good on that's you. right good on that's you. right but she shouldn't have had to do that in the first place so um yeah it's weird because there's a lot of activity going around in the house right now um they're getting a pool put in the Freeling family is getting a pool put in because Steve Freeling is actually a um, kind of a developer for the neighborhood that they live in. And so that's something that comes to play later. Um, they were one of the first people to actually live in the neighborhood. And so now they're putting in this pool and they haven't talked about it, right? The parents are like, hey, you know, it's going to be really great. We're going to put in a diving board. It's going to be awesome. The mom's not super thrilled about that because she's like, what if the kids can't, you know, what if they can't swim and they fall in and whatever. But while all of this is happening, um, you know, they they have a Tweety bird that, that in it in, inexplicably dies that morning that they have to go and bury. Um, and Carol Ann is, you know, for being only five years old, she's very sensitive to these things. So she won't let her mom, uh, flush it down the toilet which is what she wanted to do so they have like this little funeral and um that ends up being a very foreshadow of mm, a very big mm -hmm, foreshadow mm -hmm. of like what is happening because of course they bury it in the backyard and then of course when the pool company comes to dig in the backyard the first thing it digs up is this little box that held the poor little tweet bird the 
the poor little bird yeah so the yeah the bird is is not long for the world it's yeah, it's kind of funny because you know diane's trying to uh just flush it down the toilet when caroline busts in and she's like no don't what are you doing <laughs> and they have they have a little funeral for it it's it's pretty cute but yeah other other creepy stuff's happen like i mentioned you know the spoons are bending uh the glass is breaking uh you know chairs uh start moving just on their own they're sitting oh, at the yeah breakfast. They're sitting at the breakfast table, right? All the kids and they and they get up and leave. And, you know, Diane's like, why don't you kids put your chairs back in? So she goes and pushes them in and then she goes and does something else. She comes back. All the chairs are back out. Um, the chairs keep moving around. And Carol Ann's like, yeah, they're here. What are you what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Um, uh, and everyone should at that point be like, Carol Ann, uh, what is going on? Let's get out of here. Let's go right now. But they don't do that because uh, they're going to stay in the house. They're going to stick this out. No big deal. Uh, but bad news. Bad storm is coming in uh, when you have a creepy tree outside of your room. Uh, you don't want that to happen when you have a when you have a storm coming in. It's going to look creepy. You're going to get a little freaked out. And that's what Robbie's doing. Uh, Robbie has good reason to be freaked out because he has a lot of uh, scary stuff. He's got like an alien poster. Um, Alien's great film. It's a cool movie poster, but it's scary, uh, especially if you're a young kid like Robbie. Uh, he has a creepy clown. Uh, clown's creepy. Don't have clown dolls. Don't have cl pictures of clowns. Don't have uh, people dressed up as clowns. Don't have clowns anywhere near you ever. Um, and don't have a creepy tree outside of your room because when the storm comes, it's going to look extra creepy you're gonna think it's a monster and it looks like a monster and uh it's probably gonna turn into a monster later in the film yeah yeah so it, it's interesting because the dad comes in and he tries to calm robbie down robbie's like look i don't like this tree it like looks at me and it moves and he's like hey i picked this house i picked this area to build the house next to the tree because it's a really wise tree like he tries to calm robbie down and then he shows him how to count the you know seconds between the lightning and the thunder and let you know if the storm is moving away or coming closer and so that really helps the first night um not so much the second night the second night of the storm it's really bad and um that's when things really start to go down now it's important to know he comes home this steve guy right he comes home from his day of going and talking uh, to people about how amazing the houses are and mm -hmm. how they're expanding, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to be expanding. There's like four or five phases um, to this planned community and how great that's going to be. Um, but he comes home and his wife is like, Hey, I, I, I need to show you something <laughs> and I need you to not freak out. And that's really the moment, ladies and gentlemen, when you should freak out um, mm. because she basically shows this chair move from one side of the kitchen to the other on its own. Now, I don't know how they do that. Um, I, I'm sure that if they did it with magnets or something, I don't know. But it looks really scary and yet totally um, benign because it's just a chair, right? But then she's like, here, Carol Ann, my five-year-old, let's sit in the same spot with a helmet on and see if that <laughs> works. And of course, as soon as that happens, the dad is like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we got to leave. Uh, no <laughs> one goes into the kitchen until I figure this out as if that's going to make it any better. Um, yeah, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll we'll cook something else, or we'll go out for dinner. Like, like that's the big problem is what they're gonna eat for dinner that night instead of like, I have a presence in my house that I should leave. Yeah, yeah. Caroline's like, I'm hungry. Do I have to do this? But yeah, she puts her on the floor and she slides across because right, she drew like two circles on the floor where the chair was moving uh, between these two circles. And then she puts Caroline down there with her football helmet on, and then Diane says to Steve, she says, "Do you want to try it?" And he's like, "No. What is wrong with you?" Um, and at that point, <laughs> Steve, you say, uh, "Get the kids and get in the car. We're leaving. Uh, Should have left yesterday. Uh, we're getting a chance to leave today, uh, but we're not going to. We're going to stick it out. We're going to have a another night, um, in the storm, uh." a uh, house i i guess it's it's bad storms coming in um yeah and this one oof 
So the tree, I, this tree is actually really interesting because it doesn't have a lot of small twig, you know, arms. It's just got these really big, oaky, just thick limbs, right? It doesn't have a lot of the twiggy kind of limbs. And so it looks like it's moving. And then all of a sudden it totally grows like these arm things and goes through the window at Robbie. Carol Ann's screaming, Robbie's screaming. Um, and the way in which they filmed this was really cool because of course they wanted it to look like the tree was literally eating Robbie, mm -hmm. um, which is terrifying. Um, there's tons of dirt and sludge everywhere. He's like covered in, it looks like he's been dipped in like 40 weight um, oil, but <laughs> yeah. they film this backwards. So they actually pull him out. He's being pulled out. Um, but because they the way they film it, it looks like he's being drugged into the actual tree. The parents start freaking out and they're trying to find Robbie. They go outside. The dad climbs the tree and grabs Robbie just in time for this ginormous looking twister to like, scoop up the tree and take it away and so now there's a big hole in the ground outside of their room but all of a sudden they realize they can't find carol ann meanwhile in while this is all happening there's this really creepy scene where this light opens up from the closet because that's where all the scary things happen in the world and poor mm -hmm. carol ann is like holding on to the top <laughs> of her bed now i grew yeah. up with a bed very similar to that it it's made of like plastic weave like it is not very strong but she's holding on to it because everything is getting sucked into the closet like 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 all the bedding all the toys <laughs> there's like a bunch of dirt coming from the floor that you see i don't know how they did this but it is terror it's like a vacuum but it's the yep. most powerful vacuum and she's like flying midair she's holding on and of course the top of the bed breaks she flies into the closet and you're you don't know where she is and of course the parents are freaking out they're like all the bed like literally the two beds are inside this closet i don't know how they that all fit yeah yeah everything is flying into the closet it is it is bad news the lights coming out of the closet everything is going in there uh yeah carol ann is holding on for dear life uh it's pretty awesome um but you know the night before uh we had the storm the kids ended up in the bed uh carol ann goes back down to the tv um and you see this crazy ghost thing come through and like plant itself in the wall um she turns around and says they're here uh as creepy as all get out uh, should have left the house then again as i said uh but yeah second night we find out that they are indeed here because yeah everything gets uh <laughs> Yeah, Robbie gets uh, half eaten by a tree, which is bad. And then Carol Ann gets sucked into this closet. Parents are freaking out. They run into the house. They're looking in every room trying to find Carol Ann. They finally make their way to the closet. They think that they might have found her, but nope, it's just that creepy clown. Uh, get rid of creepy clowns, uh, kids, especially, you know, for the next month. Don't have them in your house. Um, so, yeah, Carol Ann is nowhere to be found, but she can be heard. Late at night, when you turn the TV on to a certain channel, uh, you can hear. You can call out for Carol Ann. And she will try to talk to you. Oh, and as a parent, I have to say, so I watched this obviously as a kid. This is the, that scene where they're like taking everything out of the closet is so terrifying because you, they see this body looking thing that is covered in a sheet and they think it's their daughter. And they, at first you, they're looking at each other like, oh my God, she's dead because of whatever came and you know, ransacked the room somehow, like she's been hit by debris or something. And then they take off the sheet and it's the 
horrible looking clown and they are just crying because they're like well we're glad she's not dead but uh she's not in here so where is she and that moment when you hear her say mommy through the tv for the very first time it is heart-wrenching joe beth williams did a great job of being like Mm. completely just traumatically affected by it it like you can't tell if she's laughing or crying because she's so like manically upset um and they're trying they're running around they're saying where are you why you know and she says i can't see you mommy oh it's totally heartbreaking and and heart-wrenching but it's also really scary <laughs> because you're <laughs> like well where is she she's in the tv what how, how do we get her how do we get her out yeah, they think she might be like trapped in the walls. Uh, they don't know what's going on, right? But they know that their house has come to life. It has uh, <laughs> tried to tried to eat and devour all the kids, all of them. Uh, things are bad. Things are flying around in that room now, uh, right? They go in trying to look for her and everything's flying around, just kind of like everything's flying around in E.T. You see a lot of uh, similarities in the way things look, you know, flying around in there. But but what are you going to do, right? Your kid is missing. It's been absorbed into into the electrical charge uh, you're getting from the TV. That's it. You, you can hear her, you know, she's somewhere uh but how are you going to find her you don't go to the police because the police are going to be like uh diane steve uh you guys are insane come with us this way uh to this padded room no you're going to go see the experts you're going to go see dr lesh who's played by beatrice straight um and her uh helpers i guess in the all things paranormal marty and ryan what are they going to do they're going to come to the house they're going to be like you know we're experts on ghosts and haunted houses and things let us come we'll take a look we'll see what's going on they go up they open the door they see the stuff flying around and they freak out they're like nope this is way above our pay grade but we are here to help yeah so they uh they have a bunch of equipment that's kind of interesting they've got a lot of cameras and they've got a lot of um weird like recording like measure the ether in the air and marty is uh probably my least favorite of the two ryan is played by the amazing amazing richard lawson he's like i know what's up uh i'm scared but i'm gonna keep calm marty is like oh my gosh oh my gosh he's like kind of a lot uh a lot this might not be his line of work that he should be choosing mm. he's a little too jumpy for that um and he eats a lot and so um probably one of the scariest scenes in this whole film is it's in the middle of the night it's been like three days uh with the these folks being there just kind of recording things and trying to see things and it's the middle of the night and of course marty decides it's a great time to go make himself a steak in the in you know, in the kitchen, uh, not a good idea. You so you still get hungry. You still get hungry. You're, for hungry. Food. You're gonna eat a steak in the middle of the kitchen. I mean, it's it is legitimately the middle of the night. Everyone but, else is asleep. But this is this is the most amazing part of the movie for me because Marty is like, "Hey Ryan, I'm gonna go take a snack, take over watching these TVs." And Ryan's like, "Sure." And then he just sits there and doesn't look at the TVs for even one second. But Marty's like going in. He's like, "I." want to get something to eat i thought he was going to like go out and get some food nah he's just going to go in and go through the freelings like cabinets and fridge and start taking their food he's eating like crackers off the thing but yeah he finds a steak he just throws it like raw just down onto the counter as you do no cross-contamination worries there uh, but hey, it's man, kind it of worry when, when, you look, <laughs> when you look at it and that steak is crawling across the counter that doesn't seem good yeah no oh so he's got like a chicken bone in his mouth because of course he's taken some fried chicken out of the fridge and yeah it starts to move and it like i again i don't know how they did it because it looks like a real steak it looks like it's moving and then when he you know and it's real dark the lighting's not great also why would you cook in the dark doesn't make any sense but whatever 
he shows like a flashlight on it and it looks like all this gross stuff starts crawling out of the stake and you know you think it might be maggots but it there's they're they're big and chunky it's really gross and then of course he drops the chicken bone that he's eating and there's maggots in that so he goes to the bathroom and he starts to like basically tear all the flesh off his face um yeah and Fun fact about that, uh, because they only had one shot to do that because of the hair and makeup that they did. And so um, the actual person who's doing all the ripping of the flesh is none other than Steven Spielberg himself, because yeah. they were like, we only have one shot at this. Why don't you be the one to do it? Because if uh, Martin Casella, uh, who plays Marty, doesn't do it right, we're screwed. So they go ahead and have this really awful scene where he's continuing to like dig into his face to get yeah. the i don't know why he's doing that but it's real scary i did not like it it freaks yeah. you out he's having like a like a hallucination he looks into the mirror right and he's got like this big like uh like cut like on his cheek and yeah he starts digging at it and ripping his face off and then he you know kind of comes to and uh realizes that everything is okay but he realizes that marty is is the smartest he's like nope i'm out of this house this house is nuts get me out of here so so marty quits so dr lesh says you know we're gonna go we're gonna take these tapes because we've seen now we've seen like the the electrical like ghost looking things coming down the stairs we've got some good footage of that on the on the tv even though ryan was no help in watching these things uh but luckily they got some footage of it um they're going to take that stuff back they're going to analyze it they're going to see uh you know what they can come up with marty's not coming back but dr lesh is going to come back ryan's going to come back uh and we're going to we're going to have to bring in a ringer right uh like i said this is way above dr lesh's uh pay grade uh she doesn't know what to do but tangina does that's right tangina played by the amazing Zelda Rubenstein, all five foot three of her. She is four foot uh, three, four, sorry, foot four three. foot, sorry, four foot three of her. She might be small, but she is mighty. I love uh, Zelda Rubenstein. She's in a couple of my favorite films from the eighties. Um, the original teen, Witch. you should check it out. It's real good. Anyway, mm -hmm. she's comes in. She's got these ginormous 1982 glasses that have that tint on them. She's like, walking through the house and she's like this house has many hearts and you know at first the freelings they're like look you know the mom uh is diana's willing to do almost anything she just wants her daughter back she's willing to go the extra mile she's willing to believe in whatever she needs to believe to make this happen and get her daughter back uh steve not so much at first he's testing her um he's testing tangina he's like if you're a psychic you should be able to read my mind and Tangina, she's not having much of it. She's like, look, I don't have time for this. Um, do you guys want to save your daughter or not? And so she kind of does a rundown of the house and then she sits them down and tells them the really bad news, which is basically <laughs> that your house is really, really haunted. Yeah, your house is really, really haunted. I love I love the scene too, right? Because she is only four foot three. So she's like, I'm going to like sprain my neck looking up at you, ladies. So uh, she makes everyone kind of like kneel down and then she gives them uh it's it's very much like a like a football coach or something, right? Like laying out the game plans. Like you're gonna you're gonna listen to me, you're gonna do what I say. If you ever want to see your daughter again, we're gonna get her back. But they do have uh kind of a plan, right? Uh Tangina, uh, she know she knows what to do, right? Or at least she thinks she knows what to do. This isn't her first rodeo. So what you're gonna do? You're gonna get a couple tennis balls. You're gonna write some numbers on them. Uh, you're gonna get some rope, uh, and you're gonna go. You're gonna go upstairs. Um, into the bad room, into the room where nothing good is happening. You're going to open that closet door. You're going to see crazy light coming out of it, and you're going to throw that tennis ball in there, 
and it's going to fall through the ceiling because that's apparently where the portal is running through the house. Uh, it's like the artery of the house, maybe. I don't know. They don't ever really say why stuff's coming out of the ceiling uh, downstairs, but that is where it is coming. They throw a tennis ball in, one drops down. Uh, it's so gross. It's covered in something. They throw the second tennis ball in there. It's so gross, covered in something. So whatever goes in next is definitely going to be gross and covered with something. That's right. And so they, Tangina explains to them what she's thinking is what she thinks is happening is that there's a bunch of there's a bunch of souls that are kind of trapped in this house for whatever reason we don't know why and you know there is a scene where like a bunch of old stuff some of it's very old and some of it's only a couple of years old but a bunch of stuff kind of falls through that ceiling and so that's where she gets the idea that hey i bet we can figure out a way to go into wherever this dimension is grab carolyn and bring her down through the ceiling somehow right um but it's really strange because there's all these like watches and rings and they're like, we don't know none. Of, there's nothing that brings them all, all of these things together. They're not from the same time. They're not from the same person. We don't know, but they think, okay, we're going to go ahead and tie a rope around a person, have them go into this closet that now looks super like there's a lot of rushing air everywhere the the lights the lights are this eerie blue and it's like very stroby so i i don't know how they did it but it looks super terrifying and very cool and mm -hmm. they're like all right you're okay mom uh so at first tangina is going to be the one that goes through the portal kind of thing and then of course diane is like she caroline will never come to you she doesn't know who you are she's gonna i should be the one to go and i love it because <laughs> diane says absolutely or Tangina says absolutely not it should be me and Joe Beth Williams is like you've never done this before either so uh I'm doing it and she says you know what you're right you go ahead <laughs> go right on ahead and it's that... it's actually some really much needed comic relief yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they're tr trying to decide who is going to go on the end of this rope into the scary closet. Uh, Diane is willing to go. Uh, Steve steps up to the plate. He wants to go, too. He says, I should go. Um, but Diane makes a good point that, you know, Steve is the only one that could probably hold the other end of the rope, um, even though, uh, you know, he, he ends up dropping the rope. Because what happens when Diane uh, goes into the closet to try to find little Carol Ann, uh, the craziest, uh, biggest, like, demon head-looking thing pops out of the closet, um, tries to eat poor Steve, you drop the rope. Uh, something's trying to eat you, of course. Uh, you try to hold on, but you can't. Uh, but luckily, he held on long enough for Diane to find Carol Ann in this, uh, I, don't, I don't know, inner, inner house poltergeist dimension. And they fall through the ceiling, but they're real gross. They're real gross. Oh my gosh. It looks, it looks like they've either been covered in some sort of strawberry jelly or afterbirth. I can't remember. I can't, I can't really put a finger on what it is that's so nasty about it. Um, mm -hmm. They get them into the tub. They're like they, and they've got this all prepared. Apparently, water is the thing that kind of wakes them up. Um, but it legitimately looks like she's holding a baby, even though Carol Ann is like five years old, right? She's got these incredibly beautiful. Her face is very cherubic. Cherubic is that how you say it? Where it's like nice and round. <laughs> cherub, cherub like, cherub, cherub like. That's it. And. <laughs> Um, they're trying to get them to breathe and then they finally do breathe. And of course, Carol Ann opens her little eyes and she's like, hi, daddy. And it's just this really sweet, beautiful moment. Um, everybody feels a huge sigh of relief. And of course, Tangina, she walks down, uh, out of the room and she's like, this house is clean, but it is not clean. She is wrong. <laughs> there is, there is some is. serious, uh, not, not, not cleanness. It is still a very 
not clean house. The house, the house is still not clean. That's right. Yeah. And Carol Ann, uh, she's no worse for wear. She doesn't even care that she's been like trapped in this other uh, dimension uh, or whatever for a couple of days. Uh, you know, no, no big deal to her. Uh, Diane, though, upset, obviously, of course. Uh, Steve upset, obviously, of course. Um, and, you know, kind of in the background of of this stuff going on, we mentioned that Steve was like this real estate developer. He was, you know, they were in the first house in this neighborhood of all these neighborhoods that they've been showing. He was showing some people uh, a new house in the new development. And his boss comes to check on him during all of this, right? Because Steve, obviously, uh, you have poltergeist in your house. You're going to have to call in sick a couple of days from work. So his boss turns up and uh, takes him out. He says, I want to show you something. You know, I want to make sure you have all those computers and stuff in your house. I want to make sure that no one is trying to, you know, take you away. So he takes him up onto this hill. He's like, look at this view. Uh, wouldn't this be a great place to live for your new house? Um, and Steve's like, yeah, this is a nice view. That might be okay. But uh, one problem, there's a giant cemetery right here. Um, and his boss is like, mm, no big deal. We'll just move the cemetery. Uh, you know, people don't, people don't care. No one will complain until Steve complains. He's like, mm, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe that is not a good idea. Um, but, you know, the boss doesn't care. He's like, we'll just move this thing. We've done it before. Uh, Spoiler, right down where your house is. Move that cemetery there. And uh, at and that point, fine. Steve's like, and that point, Steve's like, oh, that probably that explains something. That explains a, a that thing explains or two it. about my house. Yeah. So Tangina is trying to, to, you know, get a handle on what's happening and why they were uh, interested in Carol Ann in the first place. And Carol Ann had been physically born in that house. That's probably a great story with a lot of afterbirth as well. However, mm -hmm. um, they, the Tangina saying, hey, her life force is so strong and it's so attractive. There's a bunch of folks and they're a bunch of souls that don't know where to go and they're very lost or they're angry because they don't want to be dead <laughs> and there's a light and it's this mythical light well uh, that a lot of people you know think about uh as the light to the next world as it were and so um her life force is creating a light as well and so they're confused and they don't know where to go and yet there's also this evil presence that was using that light to manipulate all of these souls somehow and so not all the souls are bad, but definitely this beast kind of evil thing has been trying to manipulate her. And that's why um, Carol Ann was attracted to even talking uh, to the TV, right? Because to, in Tangina's explanation, she says, you know, to Carol Ann, this is just another child. He speaks to her like, you know, a child would speak to another child. So she doesn't know. She doesn't understand. And she's forgotten all of this now that you know, she's out and they're moving and they're like packing up everything they own. It's been like the fastest move in the history of moving. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, everybody else is very terrified and it's becoming kind of coming kind of home to roost and hey, maybe, maybe, maybe they moved to cemetery and that's why these people are all upset. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah of course yeah right? yeah they, they move the cemetery people are upset but you know problem solved for now we got carol ann back things seem to be going good um and at that point you say you have had multiple times to just go ahead and get out of the house um and that's that's what they're going to do right so you see them they are packing up the house the movers are there they're getting stuff out of there steve says i gotta go into the office for some reason um and that's what i'm going to do so diane and the kids carol ann and robbie are going to stay in the house they've sent dana away she's going to stay with friends she's 
he's like, no, you guys dumb. I'm going with my friends, uh, get out of here. But, yeah. but, Di- but Diane and the kids are there. Uh, Diane got some sweet gray streaks in her hair. I guess that is a, an effect of going into the, uh, the poltergeist realm. I uh, got some sweet gray streaks. Uh, she thinks that they looks pretty cool. That's what she says to Dana, but she decides that now is the perfect time to go ahead and dye those back to her, uh, natural color with some box color. And she's going to send Carol Ann and Robbie, uh, to go to bed because it's bedtime. You know, Steve says he's going to be, be home early from work, but it's already like, I don't know, like midnight or something. It's dark. So where do you send your kids to go sleep? You send them back to the room where they got abducted by a tree and swallowed into another dimension to go take a nap. And you're going to go take a nap in the bathtub while you're doing your, uh, while you're doing your curls, getting those gray streaks out of your hair. What are you doing, Diane? What are you Uh, doing? This is terrible, 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 terrible. It is not great parenting or life choices. However, this is, I will say when it, things start to fall apart a little bit from a, from a plot perspective, because number one, you know, I really don't, he's like, I'll be home early. He's not home early. It's like 10 o'clock at night by the time he gets home. Okay. Why would she leave her kids? I don't know. Why, why is there not a hole in the wall where the tree came to eat uh, poor Robbie? don't know Mm, um the bed is magically carolyn's bed is magically okay (laughs) and not broken into pieces um so there's a couple of things that kind of fall apart at this point but (laughs) at this point you're so terrified you don't care so she's in so diane is in uh her uh bathtub and you're so sure that something's gonna like grab her out of in the tub or something and nothing happens the buildup is just delicious and awful at the same time because Mm -hmm. you know that things are not over that the house is not done and so of course um we have that stupid clown again (laughs) where it's terrifying it's sitting at the edge of the bed robbie doesn't like it he tries to put a uh, jacket on top of it it doesn't work and then he goes to sleep or closes his eyes for just a minute when he opens his eyes of course the clown is nowhere to be found and if, then I mean he's really brave because I would have just screamed and run out of the room but not Robbie Robbie decides he's going to check under the bed it's not under the bed it's sitting right there beside him and it starts to choke him I mean this thing really wants to kill Robbie whatever it is mm. doesn't like little boys doesn't like eight year old boys <laughs> Rob- so then of Rob- course they're screaming and she can't even hear him scream because she's doing her hair she's drying her hair for the seventh time that night it's that's right that's right. You want that box color to set. That's what you want to do. But yeah, it doesn't doesn't hear the screaming. Uh, Carol Ann is screaming and uh, Diane is uh, finally makes her way into bed. But then about then, uh, you know, they, they would have made it. The, the practical effect is awesome, right? Because she like ends up like sliding up the wall and across the, the ceiling and down the other wall, you know, where they're like spinning this room around, uh, I guess is how they would have done it. But it looks really cool. Um, and things are bad. She's going to go grab the kids, say it's time to get out of here. Don't go back into that closet. She she uh, pulls them out just in the nick of time as that closet swallows everything again. Uh, so, you know, what did you think was going to happen, Diane? But she gets them out of the house um, just in time for Steve to get there. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, some bad things are happening, right? Diane ends up like falling falling into the pool and she's trying to trying to get the kids out there's a bunch of like uh like skeletons coming up like coffins are popping up out of the ground with skeletons coming out of those um and it's dawning on everyone it's dawning on steve as his boss turns up to see what all this commotion is says uh you didn't move the cemetery you just moved the headstones you left all the bodies here they're buried under my house they're buried under my pool and they are mad at us and we are getting out of here uh but not before uh this poltergeist realm decides if it can't swallow the kids it's going to swallow the whole house that's right. And I have to say, this visual effect is still pretty stunning um, because they finally get out of the house. 
I mean, the, the there's a bunch of things that are amazing to watch in this last sequence um, from a uh, lights camera action, like all this, all the um, the cinematography. They create this really long hallway that mm-hmm. looks like it's you know I don't know 300 feet long, uh, and it's that's really cool. But this, when the house kind of sucks upon itself and eats itself. It is so cool because, and I have no idea how they did it, but I think you mentioned, Brian, that they talked about that a lot on in the Industrial Light and Magic documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go on to uh, Disney Plus, you can watch the Light and Magic documentary, and I want to say it's in the third episode uh, where they're talking about doing some of the effects here for uh, Poltergeist, and they talk a little bit about how they uh, did that, uh, you know, trick there with the house imploding on itself, and it's it's really cool to see it and see how they did it. But and yeah, it looks amazing which of course obviously is why you know got the uh emmy uh nomination for best visual effects um you know rightfully so because you know even for a horror film like these effects were uh next level and what they were doing and kind of pushing the envelope to to tell the story about this possessed house and you know the stuff with like the corpses and stuff those all looked really cool especially coming up out of the swimming pool uh very creepy very spooky um you know as diane's kind of in there and head to toe covered in mud but you know luckily they they end up kind of getting away from there they get into the car and end up driving off as this thing is exploding and uh fires are being lit throughout the neighborhood and but you know luckily for the family the freelings get in there uh it's it's kind of hilarious because right about then dana shows back up in her friend's car um and she's just standing there like what's going on and robbie's like go <laughs> just leave her <laughs> just let's go let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah robbie at this point is like you know what i've seen enough i've done enough i'm out just leave her leave her dad just leave her that's right. But after a week or so of uh, of heavy turmoil, of heavy trauma, they make their way finally uh, to the safe haven of the Holiday Inn, uh, where they're going to go and, I, I don't know, at least spend a night to get their uh, wits about them and decide what to do next. But, uh, they, uh, you know, Steve has one more thing he needs to do to make sure that the family is safe. Yeah, he promptly rips out the TV, shoves it outside, leaves it outside. It's pouring, so that, that TV is now a goner because... Uh, things, things don't work, uh, the way they used to, uh, yeah. And there, there, it, it was not watertight, but he doesn't care. Um, they will not be talking to a TV tonight that that will not be happening. Maybe something else will happen, but it won't be that. It will not be that. That's right. And that is how Poltergeist ends. It is a it is a creepy tale. It is a tale of a haunted uh, house, a possessed house. And that house is uh, going to have its way with you um, if you mess around and find out. And that's what they did. And it is a really good story. It is a really great horror story. Um, and it is a fun time that we got to go see um, in the movie theater. So, uh, Michaela, uh, 40 years this we saw it on the big screen this came out in 1982 so obviously we didn't see it on the big screen uh before uh this week um but do you remember watching poltergeist as a kid i do and it's not oh my poor parents i did have to check with my dad to make sure that i wasn't wrong because i remember seeing this at the ripe old age of five in my parents basement when i was still living in montana and uh and that was confirmed so um the same age as carol okay but uh, yeah, it was the same age as Carol Ann. And this film rated PG. It was rated R. It was going to be rated R. And then they um, appealed that uh, and they won uh, the ability to rate it as PG. I have no idea why this is PG. This is not a PG film. This is not. <laughs> I I would not recommend this for probably a 10 year old. It's it's pretty scary. Um, and even though some of the effects have aged. Uh, it it's still I was more terrified watching it as an adult last night than I was mm-hmm. when I was five. I don't really know how that works, but yeah. but it did. 
Well, and so we wouldn't have had the rating of PG-13 yet. So, yeah, so, I mean, it either would have fallen on the PG or the R rating. And I this the story is very scary. It's very spooky. But there's really only kind of one gory bit, and that's when uh, Marty is kind of clawing his face off, which is gross, which I actually don't remember. So I think when I would have seen this, probably would have been on TV, which I'm guessing that probably got edited out for TV because I don't remember that. I remember, yeah. you know, pretty much the rest of the film, but I don't remember uh, that bit of, you know, you know, pulling off the face. So, uh, yeah, that is definitely kind of traumatic. It's very creepy. It's very scary and off. <laughs> it's very off putting. You don't like you don't like to see that. Um, that's that's not what I want to see. But uh, but what I do want to see is Poltergeist because it is an excellent movie um, with an excellent cast. Joe Beth Williams is excellent. Craig T. Nelson obviously is excellent. He is amazing as Steve and obviously Craig T. Nelson went on to have this uh, very, very great and varied uh, career, you know, going into comedy. He's uh, he was like a comedy writer, I think, um, at the time when uh, Poltergeist came out. So he was very unknown, but went on to, you know, do coach, which if you're old enough, you remember that was that was very big in the the realm of the sitcoms and then a lot of other uh, things since then. So, yeah. Yeah. And Joe Beth Williams, uh, I have not, I don't know if she's done, if she did much else after this, to be honest, on the big screen. Um, she was in a bunch of, she's still uh, around doing a bunch of really great work in um, series. So like Dexter, um, The Client, Private Practice. Um, but I haven't, I don't think I've seen any other movies with her. I will probably be wrong on that. But um I think she does an amazing job of playing this frantic mom. And mm -hmm. I really felt that a lot more as an adult watching this. Um, and of course, Heather O'Rourke, um, she was just the cutest little girl. She had this really amazing talent for being epically cute and creepy at the same time. You just kind of wanted to cuddle her. And, um, you know, she was in both, well, all three of the, this poltergeist trilogy so for those of you that don't know they made a poltergeist 2 they made a poltergeist 3 they're not nearly as good um i think everybody is kind of uh, stacked hands on this uh poltergeist 1 being the one to watch if you're not going to watch all of them unfortunately mm -hmm. heather o'rourke uh passed away as uh right before poltergeist 3 came out and so mm -hmm. it's very sad because she probably uh could have had a, a long an, a long and varied career as well um there's a lot of uh, weird stories around Poltergeist. There's the idea that the show was uh, cursed because there's been a lot of um, awful things happen to people that were part of this uh, making of this or acting in this mm -hmm. um, show. Um, but uh, I will say it, it's, it is one of my favorite horror films of all time um, because it still scares me to this day. And you're right. There's not, to your point earlier, there's not a lot of gore. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. When the mom is floating around in the swimming pool and all the bodies just kind of come up, that is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I think that is so awful. And the only people who save her is the neighbor who's like a total jerk the whole time, right? And then he doesn't want to do anything else. She's like, my babies are upstairs. And he's like, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, 
glad yeah, you're okay. Maybe, maybe maybe you and your husband shouldn't have been a jerk to me. And maybe I go help you right now. Or also maybe he's like, no, uh, I look at your house right now and <laughs> I would have known to get out of there. So maybe he was the smart one. Um, but yeah, like like you said, Michaela, this spawned the sequels, Poltergeist 2 and Poltergeist 3. There was a Poltergeist TV show um, in 1996, Poltergeist The Legacy. And then, um, of course, the, uh, the reboot film, which no one should ever uh, go see probably, um, that came out just a, a few years back, I think something like 2016, something like that. I don't know. Uh, not even not even worth knowing so uh, so make sure uh you cross poltergeist off your list if you're doing a halloween watch i know a lot of people will do that like a 31 days of halloween make sure to get poltergeist on that list and make sure to get poltergeist on your cocktail uh, menu because it is delicious it is pretty easy to put together um it involves a really good cherry that you can you can use for a nice after dinner drink in addition to having it in that cocktail so make sure you do that and make sure if you do send us pictures because we want to see them because we love getting pictures we love getting feedback we love knowing what you're drinking and what you're watching for halloween so make sure you do that tag us on instagram and twitter it's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies um if you want to get pictures of ours episode recaps all that good stuff you can do that on our website which is www.drinkthemovies.com and before the house explodes or implodes before you get sucked into a portal before your tv turns on and starts talking to you take a minute go leave us a review that helps a lot where can they do that michaela you can find us on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify good pods anywhere where anchor podcasts are distributed we really uh love uh to hear about what you're loving about uh drink the movies any cocktails that you're loving anything you would like us to do we're getting a lot of special requests uh for different movies and different cocktails to feature so that's really awesome leave us a review it helps us get the drink the movies out there and build up the amazing community that uh that you all are yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Michaela, you know, it is Halloween time. We are rolling right along with the Halloween picks and we are going to be covering something uh, next week that is equally as scary as Poltergeist, no doubt, as we are, are going to dip our toes back into a realm. This is going to be a, a sequel episode. Uh, we haven't done a lot of uh, sequels uh, here on Drink the Movies to uh, previous episodes. But last Halloween, we did a little film called Hocus Pocus. And next week, we're going to be doing a little film called Hocus Pocus 2. So stay tuned for that and make sure to catch us in the lobby bars on Mondays to get a quick, uh, you know, recipe recap and some box office news uh, and then follow along. Let us know what you're watching for Halloween. But for now, Michaela, I've got a lot of leftover sherry. Um, I think you have a cup or two of lemon sorbet. Let's whip up another one of these and uh, I, I go watch Hocus Pocus, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to need, I'm going to need, I hope it's less scary than this because I need a, I need a minute, I think. <laughs> that, this one was real creepy. That's right. Yeah, we we're going to get our wits about us and we will talk to everyone next time on Drink, Drink the, the movies. movies. They're here. This house is clean. <laughs> <laughs>